What's up, boys? Welcome back to the Hillscast. It's your host, the Commissioner Tom, on this beautiful Friday evening in the Hills. Just got back from a from nine holes at the beautiful Payless National, ready to end this Friday night, dropping some knowledge on the boys. I'm here with my co-hosts, my co-commissioner B. What up? And the biggest eater in the group, Kevin. How's it going? Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about some quarterbacks, the captain of your team. We're going to be talking about the best passers in the league for your dynasty team. We made a consensus top 10, but first, we're going to talk a little bit about what we're thinking when we're drafting quarterbacks. All right, so before we get into the quarterback talk, we're going to talk about one of our favorite things about these seasons, about these Red Zone Sundays, and that's the snacks at Kyle's and Kevin's on Sundays. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about our favorite munchies on Sunday. Mickey, you're the biggest eater. What are your favorite calories on Sunday? I mean, it all comes down to, like, what my mom brings down to the basement. It's just she brings down, like, an entire, like, appetizer plate. Um, but I think i got to go with the classic. Uh chips and queso that's always my go-to um last year when i was watching red zone by myself in my uh, lonely room i would always go and get a jar of tostitos queso and eat it by myself while watching football on my laptop it wasn't as fun as when i used to eat in front of the boys but it always makes the time go by fast and i enjoy it b what are you eating on sundays dude i'm gonna keep it simple here I'm going to say some pizza and wings. I think that's just a classic football food there. Uh, can never go wrong with that. Um, just, you know, eating some greasy food on a Sunday, just solid, watching football. Solid, empty calories, bro. Oh, Love it. One more note, and a Coke Zero on the side. Oh, oh, of course. This podcast is a fake sponsored by Coke Zero. <laughs> yeah, fake sponsored. You don't get in trouble. But yeah, fake sponsored. On Sundays, I am, uh, I'm all about my buffalo chicken dip. Uh, you know, I've brought it to the uh, Super Bowl for like four years in a row. Um, love to have my Frito scoops and some buffalo chicken dip in my tummy with a Coke Zero on Sunday to watch my Packers take a dub. But here we go. We're talking about quarterbacks. Before we get into our consensus top 10, we're going to talk a little bit about our draft philosophy on quarterbacks and what we're thinking uh, when we're drafting these guys in this dynasty draft. Um, so me being the only one that's ever actually drafted a quarterback in a dynasty draft, I'm going to start uh, with a couple of my things that I'm thinking about. Uh, my first is that I'm definitely not reaching on a quarterback. Um, there's a huge, I think, drop or the positional value of a quarterback is super similar among the tiers. So I think a tier one quarterback is going to be super similar to a tier three quarterback in terms of production. And I don't think that's the same for a running back or wide receiver. And another thing that I'm thinking when I'm drafting a quarterback uh, is to always have a backup plan. 32 quarterbacks start in the NFL. There's no reason you shouldn't have a backup quarterback on the roster that can put up 15 for you if you if you need it, if a quarterback, uh, your starting quarterback is out for the week. So I'm always thinking in the later rounds, what's my backup plan going to be at quarterback? And my final thing is that age is not a super huge factor to me until it's about 33 years old. Uh, so sorry to old man Rogers. He's not getting the, the draft at 36 uh, quite yet. But to me, 33 is about the cutoff there. Uh, Roto actually did a study. Uh, the, and the age distribution for quarterbacks that produce top 12 numbers is actually really wide. So quarterbacks that are uh, in the age of about 23 when they get drafted to about 33 are still producing at about a top 12 level, whereas running back 12 and above in uh, the past have consistently been about 30 years or younger. So I don't think age is too big when you're talking about a quarterback. B, what you thinking about your quarterbacks, dude? Well, 
Uh, I think you kind of hit a lot of the points that I was going to go for. I usually don't reach on a quarterback in the early rounds. Uh, last year was probably the first year I've ever done that, reaching for uh, Deshaun in the sixth round. But I just think it's just more valuable to go for you know your running backs and, and receivers in those middle rounds. I like to wait on a quarterback till later on. I feel like Tom said that the drop off with between the number five quarterback and the number fifteen quarterback is not really substantial enough to for me to reach on that number five guy. So I generally like to uh, hold off on quarterbacks. Uh, and that's that's about it. Yeah, basically just follow up with basically everything you guys said. Um, I, I try not to reach for quarterbacks. Uh, years prior, I did reach a couple times, but I'm trying to learn from it. Um, but I feel like there has to be kind of that sweet spot. You don't want to wait too late. For example, last year, um, I think I believe it. I think I got Jared Goff in the ninth round, thinking I got a steal at that late of a pick, and it turned out he was not the same Jared Goff we saw in 2018. Um, but more so, um, I do like to wait a little bit on quarterbacks. Um, yeah, that's supposed to be all to say. You guys had everything I was going to talk about. Yeah, hey, don't be drafting them quarterbacks too early, like Aaron Rodgers in the sixth round, after we told you a few times not to. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but before we really get into our quarterback rankings, we have some receivers that we left out last week. We're going to talk a little bit about our best of the rest. I'm going to start. One of my best of the rest receivers was Calvin Ridley. Um, I actually ranked Calvin Ridley as my 10th best receiver last week, and we didn't even get to talk about him because these fools are sleeping on Kelvin Ridley so hard, I can't even believe it. I had him at 13, dude. Anyway, in college, Kelvin Ridley was an absolute stud, uh, and he's coming into what is expected to be an absolute huge third year. He missed three games last year, but saw a huge improvement in yards. I'm sorry. He missed three games last year, but saw a decrease in yards by 45, um, but his receptions only went down by one. Um, his touchdowns went from 10 to 7 in that year, but and extrapolating that to 16 games uh, shows about a 1,000-yard season and 10, 10 touchdown season, um, which is solid enough to, for me to draft him right in this range. Hooper and Sanu are gone, which I think is really going to free up some targets for him. It's a super small sample size, but there were three games that Ridley played where Sanu and Hooper uh, were out, and he had 11 targets, 7 catches, and 106 yards on average with .7 touchdowns. And over 16 games, if you extrapolate those numbers, that's like a wide receiver two pace. So I'm super comfortable with his ceiling there um, with those numbers. Falcons also passed the ball a super high number of times. They averaged 610 passes over the last three seasons and will just continue to be a passing offense. I think he's got that wide receiver one upside, especially as Julio is on the way out at his age of uh, 32, is it? Or is he 31? Julio, 31. I know he's over that 30-year uh, cliff, so I think he's going to be on his way out shortly. Ridley's got a great path to receiver one and should have a huge third year. Who's your best of the rest, dude? Uh, my best of the rest was Cooper Cup. I actually had him right at 15. Um, I love him here at, at that position. Uh, still young enough at 27 years old. Uh, and he ranked fourth last year, believe it or not, because um, Cup was on his way to being uh, like one of those top five, like no doubt about it, wide receivers the, at the first half last year. He was averaging 100 yards per game on nearly eight receptions per game uh, and also had five touchdowns in the first eight games. And then in the second half of the season, for whatever reason, he uh, only averaged about 50 yards per game on 4.5 receptions per game, still had five touchdowns, which is a good uh, security blanket for him. 
he's always one of those uh, top targeted receivers in the red zone for Goff. So I think that is just a safety net for Cup. And with Brandon Cooks and Gurley leaving, Brandon Cooks 72 targets and Gurley 49 targets, I think that leaves a lot of opportunity for Cook as well as Robert Woods. So I think Cup's in a good position with the, with the Rams being a pass-happy offense. Here, Mickey, who you got? Um, well, I did like uh, Cup. That was going to be the guy I wanted to talk about, but he took him. So I figured I'd talk about Tyler Boyd. Um, so in 2019 and a half PPR, he finished uh, wide receiver 23. Um, to start off, I was a huge Tyler Boyd fan going into the season in 2019. Um, I drafted him. He gets a little bit of a disappointment early in the season, so I dropped him. After the season ended, I started looking at his stats, and I started to realize he was actually not that bad. Um, he was just in a terrible situation with Andy Dalton and rookie Jeff Driscoll throwing him the ball. Um, his catchable target percentage in the, in the NFL last year, he, or, or he ranked in the NFL last year, was 58. He had a, a 76.9%. So hopefully that number should uh, go down a bit with Burrow throwing the ball. Um, looking at his stats more, he was actually wide receiver 18 in average targets per game as a rookie in 2018. And 2019, him being the only receiver, he ranked wide receiver seven. So the targets are there, but I will say, however, 2020, I do see him getting a little bit less targets with A.J. Green on the field, but A.J. Green's playing days are about over. So um, sooner rather than later, Tyler Boyd will be basically the star of the wide receiver core in Cincinnati. Um, I see Boyd as a low wide receiver two to a high wide receiver, wide receiver three in 2020 due to a new quarterback. But I see him as a solid wide receiver, too, once Burrow and him build some chemistry in green. I'm hoping for that, too. I have Boyd in Dynasty League. I like his outlook. How do you think he's coming back with A.J. Green, man? Um, I'm hoping it's kind of the same thing we saw in 2018. Kind of A.J. Green kind of has those two defenders on him the whole time, and he gets it open. It's open. Or he gets turfed toe or something. Yeah. I don't know. Breaks an ankle again. It's kind, of hard to, it's kind of hard to see because with Burrow throwing the ball at rookie, um, it's kind of hard to predict. But I don't see him really – worse than like a low wide receiver too. Agree, agree. All right, cool. Well, that was our best of the rest receivers. We ranked 15 last week. That was the best that we had uh, for the remaining that we wanted to mention. So we're going to go ahead and get into what you've all been waiting for. That's the quarterbacks. We're going to name our top 10 quarterbacks as a consensus. Talk a little bit about what we like about these guys and why we're drafting them where we are. So we're just going to go ahead and get right into it with number one. Our unanimous number one, I think about 99% of Dynasty players, unanimous number one, and that's Patrick Mahomes. 24 years old, finished last year as QB6. He's the most gifted quarterback talent in the last decade, probably. You know, shout out to my man Rodgers, but Pat Mahomes in such a good situation for what should be the next decade. Former MVP, Super Bowl champ. Yeah, uh, really nothing bad to say about Mahomes. Uh, He's going to be stuck there in Kansas City for probably the rest of his career, signing that 10-year mega deal. Um, I just think he, the way his style of quarterback play is just sustainable in this league. Uh, it's, that's the biggest reason I picked him over Lamar is because I think Lamar is going to be great for the next, you know, three, four years, at, like at least with his rushing. But I think Mahomes is going to be good for the rest of his contract, 10 years, um, playing to that MVP caliber play every year. Uh, yeah, just to follow, I think that his playing ability is sustainable over the, the length of 10 years versus Lamar, who um, I feel like teams are going to start to learn, uh, figure out his play 
um, soon. Um, also, Mahomes, he has the most explosive offense in the NFL, best weapons, great coach, an easy division, so it's going to be a long time until Mahomes falls out of the top 10 quarterback rankings. Agreed. Pat Mahomes, our unanimous number one. Moving on to our unanimous number two, the 23-year-old Lamar Jackson. We have him at number two. I love Lamar Jackson. I'm never worried about his production. I am worried about his price, though. I hate to draft Lamar Jackson where he's going, um, but, I mean, you really can't knock him. If you take away half of his passing production, he still finishes at QB7. He just runs the ball an insane amount, scores way too much. Uh, He's just a a crazy quarterback. He's going to give you, like, an RB2 season as QB1. So, I mean, I love Lamar's production. Just hate his price. Um one thing I'd note about Lamar, I do love him because just a rushing quarterback, especially if his caliber is just hard. To, it's hard to not have him at number two. Um, he's the most athletic quarterback we've seen since Michael Vick, if not better. Um, so it's basically like having another running back on your team. The only concern I have is, like I said previously, I do think teams are going to start to learn their offense uh, pretty soon. So I don't see him rushing for 1,000 yards again next season. But I would expect him to get like towards the 800-yard category and not be surprised. I think Lamar's rushing numbers are going to be there for, I think, at least the next three years. Um, I just think he's too talented, too fast, too shifty for a defense to really key in on him. I don't expect him to uh, get 1,200 yards again, but I think he'll be close uh, to 1,000 for the next couple years. Um, the only thing I'm concerned about with Jackson is his passing touchdowns. He had 36 last year which was on 13.5% of his completions, which is not sustainable. I expect his touchdown, his passing touchdown numbers to probably be below 30 uh, when it's all said and done, when everything you know comes back to, to the averages. Um, so that's the only thing I have to say bad about Lamar. I think he's still a great player. That's why we have him at number two. Yeah, and I think what you just said there, B, about it coming back to the averages is really why you can't overthink Mahomes at number one. Because when it's all said and done, Mahomes does have that sustainable quarterback play. <laughs> Lamar, he's not going to be able to rush for 1,000 when he's 35. I mean, I'd love to see it, but I doubt that's going to happen. Uh, so that's just why we have him at number two. Moving on to number three, we all had the unanimous number three as well, the former Rookie of the Year, Kyler Murray. He finished last year as QB7. I love Kyler Murray. He's a couple years younger than Dak, which is, I think, someone that he gets – compared to a lot, but I'm comfortable taking Kyler here at a couple years younger. Uh, he had four, or he had 211 pass attempts without an interception in a row, which is a rookie record, so I know he has uh, that talent to not throw those interceptions that can cost you games in your fantasy season. Um, I mean, he's really just the most talented quarterback that we've seen in a really long time. He was a number one prospect, came into a great offense with Cliff Kingsbury, and not to mention he's getting DeAndre next season. I am a little concerned, like I mentioned last week, with uh, Kenyon Drake and how his pass attempts per game seem to go down. But Kyler is, like I said, the most gifted quarterback in the league, probably next to Mahomes. I would even put him as more of a talent than Lamar at this point. I think that Cliff is smart enough to just let it fly. He's going to bring Kyler into his prime and just excel for the next couple years at least. Yeah, I like uh, what the Cardinals are doing with that offense. Uh now Kyler has a superstar wide receiver and DeAndre that he could rely, rely on game in and game out, um, as well as, uh, you know, still have old man Fitz. And <laughs> Fury, baby. He, he'll, he'll catch the balls, but we'll see how often he gets open. And then uh, I think Kenyon Drake is 
good for Kyler because he fits that offense uh, way better in Arizona than DJ did. I think they'll uh, be able to run RPO, RPOs and play actions uh, more effectively with Kenyon Drake being more of a pass catcher as well as just like a more shiftier and fast, faster running back. Um, I just feel like Kyler was kind of like under the radar last year, and I looked at his stats. He had 3,700 passing yards and 544 rushing yards, which is pretty uh, pretty amazing for a rookie year. Um, I just feel like it, he's not getting as much att- – he didn't get as much attention last year, but with us having a, a number three, he's getting the attention he deserves. Um, yeah, I love Kyler Murray. I had him last year. Uh, there were some growing pains going on early in the season because um, their offensive line – that's basically my biggest concern is their offensive line. Uh, the Cardinals' offensive line gave up 50 sacks in 2019, which put them at 26th in the NFL. Um, Murray was also sacked 20 times in the first four weeks, but he saw improvement as the season went on. Um, I think it's just he started to grow more comfortable. He was less hesitant at, at rushing the ball. Um, so I see him um, improving more in the rushing. More, I see him improving more in the run game. Uh, last year he had um, – he averaged 4.5 rushing attempts per game weeks 1 through 4. And weeks 5 to 17 he's averaging 6 rushing attempts per game. Uh, he had 93 rushing attempts total, but I could see him getting upwards to 110 rushing attempts next year. Um, he's my MVP candidate for 2020. All right, Kyler Murray, lots of love there. Moving on to our next consensus pick, we had Dak Prescott, quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Me and Mickey had him at number four. B, sleeping on Dak by two spots. He had him at number six. I'm going to let B take this one away. Why are you sleeping on our boy? Uh, nothing against Dak. I think he's a great quarterback. I Basically, between you know Russ, Deshaun, and Dak, these guys – you know, pretty interchangeable there. I feel like they're pretty similar uh, with the production they're going to do. The only thing is, um, I don't know if Dak's going to stay in Dallas because they've tried to give him, you know, a long-term contract, but he's declined it, betting on himself more. Um, So with him, you know, being a free agent again next year, I like his situation in Dallas. If, If I knew he was in Dallas, for the next five years, then he'd for sure be my number four. But just that question mark of, of not knowing where he's going to be uh, after this year is why I have him at six. I would be heartbroken if Dallas did not sign Dak Prescott. I think that so much of this ranking had me. I, I, I'm just all thinking all the way that he gets signed here. I don't see a scenario where Dallas overlooks his value because I think he's just such a valuable player. He never had more than 4,000 yards in his first couple seasons, but last year he just completely blew up, as everyone knows, almost 5K yards in his first 30 touchdown season. Um, I think that was big in part, though, because they got a new offensive coordinator. He kept the tempo super high, and the Cowboys ended up running the sixth most plays in 2019, so Dak is getting a lot of opportunities. Now Mike McCarthy steps in. We know what he's done with good quarterbacks in the past. He's produced the Super Bowl, produced MVPs. I think he's going to pass the ball a lot. Dallas just added C.D. Lamb, so now he has Gallup and Cooper to throw that deep ball to. He was the second most accurate passer when the ball was in the air for over 20 yards, so I know he's going to let it fly. I think he's going to be able to get those conventional fantasy points because he's not the biggest runner. He had better efficiency um, a couple of years ago, but last year he was not the greatest runner. Even if that efficiency doesn't pick up, I I think he's going to get a lot of those air yards, a lot of those passing points. I think he's going to be solid coming into my number four. Um, yeah, I had Watson actually initially over Dak, but then once I started looking at Dak, I put Dak over Watson. 
I think Dak is in one of the best situations as a QB in the league. He has two great wide receivers in Cooper and Gallup along with C.D. Lamb. Um, he also has a really productive running back, obviously, with Zeke. So having someone like, like Zeke forces the um, forces the defenders to, to go into the box, which opens up lanes downfield. Um, Dak is probably the second most explosive big play potential quarterback behind Patrick Mahomes. In 2019, Dak was number five in deep ball attempts, number two in completed air yards, and number two in pass attempts distance. Um, so I think that, that he's just in such a great situation to where he's able to dish it out to these really talented receivers and make a lot of plays. Uh, he's young. He's also able to scramble on the ground. He was number 11 in rushing attempts and number eight in rushing yards amongst quarterbacks in 2019. My only concern, like B said, was the contract. I, I think he does get signed this season with an extension, um, but it hasn't been done yet, so it is my only concern. All right, Hickory Dickory Dak coming in at our number four. Consensus nice. number five. Moving on, we have Deshaun Watson. We actually all disagreed on Deshaun Watson, nonetheless coming into our consensus five. B had him the highest at four. Kevin was in the middle at number five, and I actually had him the lowest at number six. So I had Watson as my QB six. I know he's going to get his full offensive line back in 2020. Um, I actually looked it up. The group was the only one to have all of its offensive line over, graded over 70 by PFF, so that's a solid sign for Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. Um, he has shown that he can produce in the rushing game. He had his career high seven rushing touchdowns last year and is typical to carry the ball 80 to 90 times, probably in that range of three to six touchdowns. So I definitely like his uh, rushing efficiency most of the time. He's slightly better rushing producer than Russell Wilson, which I think is, or I had him right around Russell Wilson, but he's a little bit more unstable in the passing game, which is why I had him one spot uh, worse. So he had 26 touchdowns and 12 interceptions last year. I like Wilson's touchdown-interception ratio, the kind of conventional route, a little bit better. And I'm still a little bit concerned about what happens without DeAndre and with Bill O'Brien still there. Bill O'Brien has been shown not to be the smartest guy in the locker room, um, and Watson is shown to be a gunslinger. And although he has some speed and still in fuller, he does not have that overall wide receiver one and DeAndre Hopkins to air it out to. So some questions there. But, I mean, Watson's a complete athletic stud. He's shown that he has that QB1 potential. So I have him at my six. Um, yeah, I had him a little bit lower than D because following up with DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, so DeAndre saw 30% of the team's target share. So with that 30% gone, he's Watson's going to be throwing to these other players, such as Brandon Cooks, who's okay, Randall Cobb, injured Will Fuller, and Kenny Stills. So I just don't know how that production is going to go up with uh, DeAndre out of Houston. Um, another thing I do want to talk about uh, for Watson is David Johnson. Here's a big if. If David Johnson is able to play a full-length season and somewhat returns to what we saw in 2018 and 2016, that will be a huge help in his passing game. Uh, Watson's never had a pass-catching running back like David Johnson. Uh, David Johnson averaged 65 receptions when combining 2016 and 2018. Watson's best running back was Lamar Miller, who averaged 30 receptions a season. So I expect a large chunk of target volume to head in David Johnson's direction. The only question is if um, he stays healthy and on the field. Um, Another thing is if Watson can land a long-term deal and David Johnson can return to his old self. I do like Watson at QB5, but if DJ flops and he he struggles with his new receiving core, I see Watson more as my QB6. Yeah, I'm kind of just trusting Watson's uh, just pure talent uh, on this, have, having him at four. 
Um, I think for Houston to have any success, everything's going to have to run through Watson, and I think uh, he's talented enough to get the job done, even with less talent, losing DeAndre. Uh, Cooks is is okay addition, if you could stay healthy, but I think uh, Deshaun, he does use his legs a lot. I think he might even use them even more with you know DeAndre leaving and uh, receivers not getting open. But um, I see, I just see him as um, a safe pick because just of his, his floor with rushing, and he's only in Houston for two more years. So even if things in Houston don't go well, uh, he could find another team and he'll succeed anywhere he goes. Uh, I think his four thousand passing yards and four hundred rushing yards are, are closer to his floor than his ceiling. Um, so I just think uh, his ceiling is very high for him being only twenty four years old. Do you trust? The receiving core in 2020? Uh, not re- in 2020, it's kind of iffy. Um, when I was looking, because I didn't realize like he's been in the league for this is gonna be his fourth year and he's only 24. And you think Dak's been in the year or in the league uh, one year longer? He's 27. So just uh, that had that had a little factor in it uh, picking him over Dak. Um, but as far as the receiving core, um, I think they'll be good enough as long as they stay healthy. For Deshaun to do something with them. Good stuff. Love us some Deshaun Watson. Incoming at our number six overall consensus, we have Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson was pretty similar among me and B. We had him at number five, and Kevin was the one behind at number six. Mickey, I'm going to let you take the reins on this one. Why aren't you letting Russ cook? So the only reason why I have Russ at six rather than five um, is just basically age. He's a little bit older uh, when it comes to quarterbacks. He's 31 years old. Um, I would definitely have Russ over Watson if uh, Russ was two years younger. Uh, Russ is just overliable. Russ has finished as a top 12 quarterback every season and has finished top three four times total. Um, I don't really have much else to say about Russ. One thing I do want to note is the running back situation going into 2020, both Rashad Penny and Chris Carson are recovering from injuries. So if both backs are unable to produce and stay on the field in 2020, I can see Wilson absolutely slinging the ball this year. Um, he has some good weapons in Tyler Lockett, uh, DK Metcalf, um, and I guess you could count Greg Olson and Will Disley. Um, so I have nothing negative really to say about him. It's just just the age. The only reason why I have him younger or have him lower than you guys. Yeah, that's the only thing. Like when I was looking at the age of the quarterbacks I had above Russ, thirty-one seems ancient, but uh, that doesn't scare me with Russ because he showed no signs of slowing down anytime soon. He's finished top five in passing touchdowns in each of the last three years, while finishing twentieth and twelfth in the past two seasons in pass attempts. Unlike Lamar with his uh, touchdown efficiency, I believe in Russ having a higher touchdown efficiency because he's proven that he's he could do it basically his whole career. Um, and his his run game is sneaky good. Uh, it's just like it's nothing too flashy, but it averages uh, 5.6 yards a carry in his career and provides a safe floor with, you know, 350 to 400 rushing yards on 70 to 80 carries a year. And I think just with those those weapons of Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf on the outside, uh, they'll provide enough playmaking skills for Russ to get it done. Fully agree. Like. Like the boys have said here, I think you're just drafting Russell Wilson for that floor that's just so high. I was looking at his whole career, and even more so over the last three seasons, he's thrown over 30 touchdowns, and his interception numbers are 11, 7, and 5. 
Last year, he threw 31 touchdowns on five picks. That's crazy. He's never thrown a lot of interceptions. 11 was the peak in his career. He's thrown over 3K yards every single year. He started 16 games every season since 2012 when he got in the league. I'm expecting Russ. Obviously, he has that uh, ceiling of QB1, but his floor is like, what, QB10? Russ is just the safest pick. In my top 10, yeah, he's the oldest. But like I said earlier, I don't think QBs really fall off till they hit 33, 34 years old. I think Russ is going to cook. I love him. My QB5. All right, Russ is cooking for us. Moving on to our consensus number seven. We have probably the ugliest pick that I think we have here, and that is Carson Wentz. He actually was ranked at eighth overall unanimously by all of us, but a couple of players uh, behind him. Had some uh, lower rankings by some of the boys here. So I'll kick it off talking about our overall number eight or number seven in Carson Wentz here. Oh, okay. I actually, I was, it, they're actually tied. Wentz and Josh Allen are tied with okay. the average. All right. Both, both pretty gross. <laughs> yeah, both pretty gross. But I mean, Carson, he's shown those flashes of that nice upside in his career. Um, but he, he really just lacks the consistency. Every time he does it over a season, it's pretty ugly. I put that in part that the Eagles really didn't have many pass catchers outside of Ertz. Deshaun Jackson and Alshon really don't count for much. Um, So they added Jalen Rager, which I think will really help. The Eagles actually set their single-season franchise passing yards record last year, and no wide receiver on the team had more than 500 yards. Ertz had like 900-something, but he's a tight end. Um, So I think that pass-catching ability is going to help him out a lot with Rager. Uh, but he's been relatively safe in interceptions, too. He threw seven in his last three seasons, every season, with between 21 and 35 touchdowns each season. So he has the fifth most passing attempts to go off of last year. As a former MVP candidate, I think it's only right to get Carson in the top 10 here and moving forward has that decently high floor. A few questions around his uh, position right now and his consistency, but I think he definitely has the potential to stay here. Yeah, uh, I don't really have much to say about Wentz either. Um, he's just kind of a blah pick. I just feel like I have to put him here. Um, but um, just put him in the top ten because he's shown he's capable of playing at an MVP level before. But I just don't trust the Eagles' offense uh, as much. But I just had to put him above uh, the other guys that were left. Um, yeah, I don't think he's a terrible quarterback. I just don't know what the hell the Eagles are doing to support him. They have like one of the grossest wide receiver cores I've ever seen in my entire life. They have Deshaun Jackson, Marquise Goodwin, and Alshon Jeffrey. They're all just injury prone. And then behind them, they have Jalen uh, Rager, a uh, rookie. And then they have uh, second year J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Um, don't know if he's good or not, but anyway. No. Um, so <laughs> behind them, you have either a rookie or a second year wide receiver. Um, positive note, he does have Ertz and, and Goddard, which are good, and hopefully Miles Sanders. Um the only thing that appeals to me about Wentz is just their pass-heavy offense. Eagles were ranked number seven in, pa- in average pass plays per game but at 40. Um, if I am drafting Wentz, I'm definitely getting uh, a quarterback I could rely on later on in the draft if Wentz goes south. Yeah, I've, I've always kind of liked Wentz's price, I think, in a lot of these drafts. I think Wentz goes off the board a lot later uh, than some of our earliest earlier consensus picks. And he's shown like he can be a playmaker, even with the shitty receiving core. He can get it done with the passing yards record. But... Ugly-ass pick. Moving on to an even uglier pick in our consensus <laughs> number eight. We have Joshua Allen. Couldn't hit the side of a barn with a, a pass of his, but, I mean, he's getting there. 
We ranked him fairly similarly between myself and Kevin. We had him both at seven, and B was snoozing on Josh Allen at number ten. B, what's the story with Josh? Well, Allen? you just said he's an ugly pick, so that's why I put him <laughs> at ten. Let's hear it, man. Um, well, the only thing Josh Allen has going for him is his rushing, uh, his rushing game. Uh, he averages about 550 yards on the ground while having 17 touchdowns in two seasons. Um, I just think his rushing game is probably not going to be as sustainable as some of the top guys we have because of his speed. He's not the more, one of the more shifty guys. He's just bigger in size. So I think defenses will be able to key in on him more, and then that leaves just his passing game, which is nothing to really speak about. Only having 3,000 yards and 20 touchdowns last year while only completing 58% of his passes. I think if his rushing floor isn't there, he's not even you know in the conversation for top 10. But I had to put him here at 10 just because he's 24, and um, he's shown that he could uh, – finish in the top 10 as he did last year um yeah basically just the only thing that kills me about josh allen is his rushing he was number two in carries and number two in red zone carries and he also led the league in rushing touchdowns and 510 rushing yards with him at number three um as for passing i am not super confident he does have one of the strongest arms in the nfl but he is freaking inaccurate um not only that, Josh Allen ranked number 21 in pass attempts, so they don't throw the ball too much. But I'm hoping to see that go up with the addition of Stephon Diggs. Um, in 2019, his deep ball his deep ball completion percentage was 25%, putting him at number 33 in the league. So he does have a strong arm, but he does not know how to hit a target. Um, was worse, it better or worse than Trubisky? Oh, I didn't look. Damn. Um, <laughs> The only thing that does appeal, another thing that appeals to me about Josh Allen is Stephon Diggs. Last year they had wide receiver 34, Cole Beasley, and wide receiver 20, John Brown. So hopefully with um, the addition of Diggs, Josh Allen can actually be a little bit more productive in the passing game. So I'm a little a little more optimistic on Josh Allen, but I still think he's a little bit of a gross pick. Um, if I'm taking him, I'm once again grabbing another quarterback later on in the draft that can be more reliable if Allen goes south. Yeah, I think Josh Allen... Is, is still pretty ugly. I was, before coming into this research and, like, actually ranking the quarterbacks, I did not expect Josh Allen to sneak as high as he did um, because I really don't have that much confidence in him holding up that rushing floor super high or super late into his career. A lot of people shy away from him because he's that running quarterback, but he has shown a little bit of progression as a passer. His completion percentage in his first two years went from 53% to 59%. And his touchdown percentage jumped from 3 to 4.5%. So he's becoming a little bit better of a passer. Like Kevin said, got a little bit of an addition with Diggs. So I like him coming into his third season. I have him at my QB 7 over Carson Wentz. Moving forward, we have a pick that was not so not so pretty early last year, but ended up shaping it around. One of the most hype in the last couple of years, our number 9, Faker Baker Mayfield. We were spread out on the field uh, with him. I had him at number nine. Kevin had him the highest at number seven. No, no I'm sorry. B had him the highest at number seven, and Kevin had him the lowest at number ten. So I'm going to let B, who thinks that it is not Faker Baker <laughs> after all, he thinks it's legit Baker. What's up? Yeah, I know Baker had an awful 29, 2019 season, finish, finishing 20th among quarterbacks last year. Um 
but it was not far removed from his stellar second half in his rookie campaign when, when he took over for Tyrod. I just think that Freddie Kitchens was in over his head last year uh, trying to call plays. Uh, with as much talent on this offense, uh, there's no way it should look as lost as it was last year. Um, I feel like his name gets brought up in every podcast, but with the addition of uh, Kevin Stefanski in there, he's going to bring some structure into that offense and, uh, and run plays that make more sense, unlike what Freddie Kitchens was doing. Um, I think having the young stud running back of Nick Chubb helps balance the offense uh, for Baker, uh, allows for more effective play-action plays and opening things up. And then the weapons of OBJ, Landry, Hooper, and Kareem Hunt, uh, this should be a top-10 offense in the league. Um, and I believe with the, the new play caller there, I think uh, Baker gets it done. Top 10 offense in the league. Did I just hear that? Did <laughs> I just hear that? Browns top 10 offense in the league? Talent-wise, if, if you look at their at those it's players there. they have, they have the pieces. They have probably the best group of skill position players. Yeah, I, I think the Browns offense was their floor last year with, with Chubb. I mean, Chubb did great. But OBJ did not have his year. Baker, like you said, first half of the year was kind of ugly. I think the Browns are going to take a step. I mean, I don't have too much to say on Baker himself. I do think Stefanski is going to come in and realize that the passing offense has to work through OBJ and not Landry. So I think that that's going to open up some things for Baker. Uh, The only thing I kind of wonder is how he's going to use Nick Chubb. We know Stefanski did like to run the ball, uh, but he also liked to throw the ball to Delvin Cook. Um, But he just got him so much volume. So I really wonder what he's going to do with Chubb. And, I mean, we know Chubb can handle that volume. I think Stefanski is really going to drive him into the ground. And I really wonder how that's going to affect the passing opportunity for Baker. But he does have the pieces around him to produce a good passing season. Um, Yeah, I have Baker at number 10. Um, The only reason why he made my top 10 is because his ceiling is so freaking high. But he never produces the way everyone expects him to. I have faith in Stefanski, but I just don't see the Browns instantly becoming a pass-heavy team anytime soon. Last year, they were number 10 in average pass plays per game. They have a reliable running back core to where they don't have to pass the ball 40 times a game, which this this could hurt hurt, uh, Baker's production. In my opinion, I think 2020 is Baker's make-it-or-break-it season. I like that. I like that. I think that... I think we got more of a of a make it season for Baker coming yeah, up. I think so too. I, I you know I think Baker's got too much talent. I don't think he's going to be I, a Baker I, for too long. I think he's good enough, and I think he has plenty of talent around him for him to be good. I also I, I like the character too. I think you know he's a you can love the guy or hate the guy, but I think he he's a decent uh, motivator. I like him as a leader. I'm going for him. Yeah, you know we we had conversations, so I know his leadership ability in the locker room. Okay, so to close out our consensus rankings, coming in at number 10, the end of the list, we had Mr. Average himself, Matthew Stafford. He did not make mine and Kevin's top 10 list, coming in at number 11, so just shy, but he snuck in the consensus because Mr. B had him at number 9, sneaking in just ahead of the bottom of the pack there. So B, let's hear about Mr. Matthew Stafford. Yeah, uh, I know he's 32 years old. But um, when I was getting to this point in the rankings, I was kind of looking more for uh, players that could produce for you now within the next, you know, two to three years. Uh, because rather than, you know, picking someone younger who could be average for a, another couple years before hitting his stride or not even getting to his potential, a.k.a. Josh Allen. <laughs> so that's why I had Stafford above Allen. Um Stafford was on pace for 5,000 passing yards and 38 touchdowns in 2019 before getting injured in, in week eight. 
Um, so I think when healthy and playing all 16 games, uh, Stafford's a lock for 4,000, probably closer to 4,500 yards per year with 25 to 30 touchdowns. I just think that's uh, really safe uh, being in a dynasty format uh, to have that production year in and year out. So that's why I like Stafford at nine. Um, yeah, uh, so before this podcast, me and B were talking, and he was telling me that he had Stafford uh, in his top 10, which really surprised me because in my head I'm thinking Matthew Stafford is like 34, 35 years old. I thought he's been in the league a lot longer than he actually is. Um, but once B told me he was 32 years old, it made me actually think about him. Um, he's not in my top 10, but I do like him at number 11. Um, he's always been pretty consistent year in, year out. His last year he got hurt. Um, he's always been that quarterback that's under the radar and still just produces. Um, it's just because he's on a shitty organization. You never really talk about him too much. Um, but I like the pick. I won't hate on B for having him in his top 10. Yeah, I like Stafford sneaking into the top 10 there. Uh, I like what the direction that the Lions offense is going with Galladay and Swift coming in. I think that he has the tools around him to keep producing consistently. Like you guys said, He's always kind of been that quarterback that's going to get close to 4,000 yards but still gets slept on. Uh, he's always been able to put up the numbers through the air. So I actually had Daniel Jones um, a spot higher than him because I just like the future potential for Jones. But I fully agree with what he's saying that at this point when you're drafting the quarterback, taking someone that's going to produce for you for two to three. I mean, for Stafford, honestly, probably four to six yeah. years. Um, that's definitely still a good decision. And looking back, I probably might have thrown Stafford in at number 10 here over Daniel Jones because of the consistency. So, All right, that wraps up our consensus top 10 for the quarterbacks. We're going to move into something a little bit different. We've had some successful picks over the years, but we're going to talk about our worst fantasy picks as a squad. Mickey, you're first here. You've had tons of them. Let's hear about that number one worst pick. All right. Um, I feel like a lot of people are going to bring up the 2016 Gronk and <laughs> back-to-back picks. Brutal. But looking at this pick again, it, I don't know what the hell I was thinking. So in 2017, in the first round, I took uh, Julio Jones, good pick. Second round, took Leonard Fournette, which is a good pick. Wrapping around in the third, I had the fifth pick. Um, so Amari Cooper came off the board. It was my pick. I took Terrell Pryor. <laughs> uh, wide receiver, Washington Redskins. I was hyped about him. I thought he was going to go off with Kirk Cousins. Do you know who was picked after him and Kyle J took him? DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's definitely number one. Uh, I don't know what – he was supposed to be a sleeper pick, but I guess I took him as a wide receiver one type of pick. So that is definitely my number one worst pick of all time. So I really didn't know who to pick for my worst pick ever. Uh, it was between a couple. Uh, two years ago, I drafted Fournette, I think, seventh overall. And he got injured in the first half. And even when he played, he was doing awful. I gave up on him because he was going to be injured till I think, like, week 11 or 12. I traded him to Tom for Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> And then the next week, Marshawn Lynch uh, got a season-ending injury, so got no value for Fournette. So he's probably the worst pick I've ever had in fantasy. Yikers. You know, I I make a lot of great picks in fantasy. Um, So I took Mixon in the second round, expecting him to really spring forward and carry my team to what I deserved, the championship ring. 
and he completely shit the bed until I didn't need him anymore. So every week that I needed to win for playoff contention, Joe Mixon decided to shit the bed. And then when I was out of playoff contention in the loser's bracket, naturally he popped off and had the best games of his career. <laughs> so do I like Joe Mixon moving forward? Yeah. But I absolutely hate what Joe Mixon did to me last year, so that was the most mentally and emotionally scarring fantasy pick. All right, boys, those were our least favorite fantasy picks that we've had over our years. So that about wraps up our episode for our quarterbacks. So moving forward, we are going to be talking about tight ends and some draft prep next week. Big reminder that the draft is the 24th. It's on a Monday. We're going to have it probably around 7 o'clock, depending on when people get off work. 7 o'clock should work uh, for most people that I've talked to, though. If there's any issue with the time or the day, you need to reach out because we're getting close to the 24th. It's going to be a 25-round draft, so plan for a good three hours. Once again, if there's any issue with that, you got to reach out. We're going to have a poll this week in the group chat that talks about defenses. We're still uh, wondering if we want to have defenses in the league. The three of us at this table are not in favor of it, so we would rather have no defense in replace of an additional flex spot or or just, get or rid just of that. empty roster. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's, it's just one less starter. Okay, just one less starter. Um, so we'll have both of those options and the option for just traditional defense special teams in the chat. You need to fill out that survey, and because if you don't, if we don't get responses, we're just going to decide among the three of us. So, all right, boys, that was this week's episode. We will see you next Tuesday on the Hills Cast. See ya. See ya.